Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen, wherever, whenever you may be listening to this. I'm your host, Matt McLaughlin, here with Timmy. We will be discussing uh, the Sixers' recent skid, the Flyers opening up their season with a dominant 6-3 win over the Penguins, and then give a little bit of a preview as to what the Phillies are going to do this season, whether they shit the bed or actually somehow break out. We'll see how that goes. But uh, first, let's jump right into the Sixers. They've been dealing with a lot of COVID protocols, multiple players being out, lost three of their last four uh, due to notable players such as Seth Curry, Tobias Harris, uh, Joel Embiid for a little bit of a stretch there. So many players being decimated by COVID, but they're sitting at eight and four, picked up a bounce back win against Miami in overtime. Joel Embiid finished with 45.16 rebounds, which by the way, no one seemed to cover at all that, Joel Embiid all of a sudden is playing at an MVP level, but then networks, talk shows just gloss over that and it just doesn't make any sense to me. So, Timmy, first of all, do you think the Sixers are getting fucked over with these COVID protocols? Because we talked about it a little bit where these teams are getting their games postponed. Meanwhile, the Sixers have had to field suit up eight just to meet the minimum and then just basically be left high and dry. Do you think they're getting fucked over by that? Or do you think it's just – the NBA is just kind of playing and see how it goes. So like the Philly fan in me says, yes. Like, it's like, you know, like you said, we talked about this and I'm it's like, this is bullshit. Like, why do we have to try and field a team of rookies and, you know, G league guys, but the Celtics got one COVID or two. I don't know how many they got. I didn't look into it because fuck Boston, but like, uh, it's ridiculous. Like they got their game canceled like that. And meanwhile, Doc Rivers is literally pleading with the NBA, hey, like, we don't, like, we don't have enough players. Like, just cancel our game. And we had to play three games with a decimated squad, clearly lost all three of them. And, it, you know, it's like – and then it takes a her- Herculean effort by Joel for us to actually win that game in Miami, who was also decimated by COVID. So how are you going to have two teams with – basically no rosters playing each other because of COVID and then talk about how you're trying to get through the season positively and make sure you, you keep the numbers down, like just suspend a week. Just, just suspend the, just suspend the, uh, my bad. Uh, just suspend the, um, the season for two weeks. Don't yeah. you agree? Like it's, it's like at this point, it's like, Hey, like, we need to rethink this because it's just like, it seems like, and it seems like everything's on the rise again. Like, it's just like perfect. I think it's you just either, the perfect timing. I think you either have to suspend the season for like two weeks just to reorganize the protocols, or you got to go straight back into a bubble again. But I think getting all the players back on board with that for at least the first half of the season is going to be incredibly, incredibly difficult. And I think it's the NBA is just going full throttle. The owners want to get this season basically done so that they can get the next season back on track, which I understand to an extent, but when you're sacrificing the 
the teams like you're basically saying fuck you we don't give a shit where your season ends up we just want to get through this year and basically just putting a team's like a team's desire for a championship to to win basically you're putting that off to the side i think that's ridiculous and i think the nba understands we're gonna be in the same position as the nfl uh baseball last season they were going through a lot of uh covid outbreaks um and i'm sure the nhl will experience this at some point later on in the season uh as they just start and move out of the bubble and they go traveling and everything like that i think it's just down to the culture and who's gonna be able to get that message across of hey listen we we have no guarantee that we're going to go back into a bubble and be completely safe. We have to figure out a way to stay safe, limit the travel and do everything and stay with everything. But it's just, I agree that it's ridiculous how the Sixers and any fan base would feel this way, that the Sixers of all teams, they have to field seven or eight players, whereas other games are getting postponed or canceled because they don't meet the minimum and whatever. Right. I think that's ridiculous. It's it's just it's got to get to a point where it's like, weren't the Colangelos enough punishment? <laughs> nope. <laughs> like, weren't nope. they enough punishment nope. at this point? The the Him Colangelos, Sam Hinkie, ten and seventy three well, no, years. No, I love I love Sam Hinkie. I'm saying like, weren't this, the the NBA punished us by giving us the Colangelos who just clearly screwed over all the stuff that Sam Hinkie put together. I uh, but yeah, uh, it's, it's it's and you but you know what the biggest thing is, right? It's all about money, and they yeah. don't want to postpone it to lose any more money than they have already lost. And it's the greedy ass owners, people like Stan Kroenke, who I absolutely loathe for the fact that he owns my favorite soccer club and doesn't invest anything in them, but then just went and had a brand new stadium built for the Rams. Yes, he owns. Not one, not two, not three, not four, but five sports franchises. That should be oh, illegal. That should be and illegal. He had, and he had the taxpayers pay for his stadium. How is that possible? You're that rich? You're so rich you can own five teams and three of them in major, major sports leagues. The EPL, which is the highest grossing soccer, European soccer league, and probably highest grossing in the world because obviously we don't care about it over here. I do, but most people don't. He owns something. He owns a team in the NFL, a premier in a premier city in LA, and then he owns a Denver Nuggets in the NBA, which is fast, fastly approaching the market of the NBA. And then you have a taxpayers pay for your stadium. Get the fuck out of here. Like Even bullshit. Go pay for my student loans then. How about that? <laughs> I. It just doesn't – even if you take out that he owns four other franchises, two NFL owners should be able, especially when you're sharing a stadium, to be able to chip away at some per, some majority right. of that stadium uh, funds. But, yeah, I, as much as we hate to admit it, yes. Well, I hate to admit it, I should say. Um, yes, it is about money. These aren't the happy-go-lucky owners that they have done some positive – actions but in the end they're concerned about protecting their investment rightfully so if i was an nba owner i'd be worried about that but it gets to a point where it's like you're just being greedy you're being ridiculous 
let's actually focus on the players and getting the players healthy instead of just trying to step over step over a dollar to get a dime like it's just that's the part that really pisses me off it when this Sixers team has a championship window especially now that you finally got rid of Brent Brown you finally have a capable head coaching head coach on the bench you have some a roster that makes sense a roster that makes sense you have floor spacing this is your championship window now two to three years the fact that you're the NBA in general is just pushing ahead and keeping the season going and sacrificing the Sixers and the rest of the league's teams, like chances of winning a championship. Granted, obviously some teams are going to tank other, other teams are probably going to be mediocre, whatever, but still it's unfair. And it shows the talent gap on some teams like Washington, not they're mediocre. I love Russ. I think Bradley Beal is a great player. But that team is not championship caliber, and when you compare Especially with that, Scott Scotty Brooks is their coach. Exactly, their games are just track meets and trying to keep up. And it's amazing he ever got to an NBA Finals. That tells you how good KD, Russ, and Harden are. And I'm not even a true. Harden fan, but that just tells you everything you need to know right there. That he and even Abaka and Perkins. Perkins still had some great years with yeah, him. Yeah, he still he still had some solid legs left. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just ridiculous, and it just like it's getting to be to a point where it's like, okay, we know top three in the East, Milwaukee, Philly's up there. Um, Boston, if they can get back on track and really just seeing how the rest of the league shakes out, it's going to be top three teams versus top three teams. And even in the West, like Lakers are pretty much set up to go on another huge run. The Clippers, if Kawhi stays healthy, they'll be there in the mix for top four seeds in the West. Um, and right now, the Jazz are sitting at number three, but I don't expect that to last very long. Dallas finally got Chris Stapps Porzingis back. And it's just going to show, like in the bubble, how talent's going to win out. And props to the Miami Heat for making that incredible run, but talent is going to win out. You brought up a good point that were, or you're, you're not a good, yes, a good point, but I'm saying like it wasn't like you were trying to make a point is the Chris Stapps thing. And that, like, you know what it bugs me about that is, A, it sucks that he, um, like, it, all these injuries have succumbed to him. But for yeah. how many years in the beginning did we have to hear about how it was like, oh, the Sixers messed up by not drafting Kristaps Porzingis. And now that he's hurt, you never hear that argument. But no. I guarantee if we would have drafted him and he'd be hurt, it'd be like, oh, well, let's see how the Sixers messed up the process by taking Porzingis instead of who? Who else we were we taking in that trade? Like, I, I didn't like the pick to begin with. Like, I wasn't – and, you know, there's a lot of picks we wasted. Like, Okafor was whatever, but you could just tell where the league was going and he wasn't the guy to take. And I wasn't a Chris Stops guy. So, let me put that on the record. Like, I wasn't sitting there being like, we need to take Porzingis. I wasn't. I was not a Chris Stops fan, but I'd have to go back and look at that draft again to see who was in it. But there was definitely somebody else I think I wanted there um, at – at what were we number three? I think. Yeah, that was the wasn't that the year we drafted Joel Embiid, or was that a couple of years after? No, we drafted and it was we drafted Embiid in fourteen. We drafted Okafor in fifteen, uh, which made it uh, even stupider because we took Nerlens in thirteen, Joel in fourteen, and then they're like, "Oh, we're gonna make all this size work." Yeah, why the rest of the league is downsizing and putting a bunch of shooters together? We're gonna go play three big men, two which, you know where one of which plays no defense, the other has no offense, and the other, if 
he can stay healthy, could be an all-time great, but that's a big if. And it's just like, yeah, three wide. When you look back on it, we made so many dumb picks. And I say we, we I mean just the Sixers, but, you know, yeah, obviously we're si- not in the front office, but. <laughs> the Sixers, I mean, they have made some stupid picks, but I think people have to, like, remember the context, especially, especially the my prime example is the Markel Fultz pick. Markel Fultz is doing – he had was having an incredible season this year until, unfortunately, he tore his ACL and ended his season, which – Very un, very unfortunate for – Absolutely heartbreaking. Overcame a lot of stuff. Absolutely heartbreaking. Um, but I think people have to realize, going into that draft, Jason Tatum, he had some potential. People saw that he was a perimeter threat. He had I was some, never a big Jason Tatum guy, uh, you know. Yeah, I, I think I it's think, overblown because he's a Celtic. Yeah, exactly. And no one necessarily saw him being the guy that he is now. Uh, and that's always the thing with drafts, whether it's NBA, NFL, NHL, whatever. You're not necessarily – picks are going to hit, picks are going to miss. But the fan argument of across all fan bases is that, oh, only in my town do players pick high picks get hurt and then their careers are over. It's like, no, that happens to everyone. Right. And you just got to remember, like, the context of Fultz was looking like a legitimate uh, perimeter threat and, like, a ball handler that the Sixers needed who could create his own shot and coexist in the Sixers, which obviously didn't work out. But that was a whole another myriad of issues. Um, well, I have a I have a buddy that contends like fuck Fultz. Like you sh- we shouldn't feel bad for him because it's his own fault that he's in this position. Like that he and to a point, I kind of agree with him. Like you're the idiot that got on a motorcycle when you've seen that that vehicle alone ruin multiple people's careers. Jay Williams, Jason Williams could have been one of the greater point guards of, of the last two decades if not for the fact that he got on that motorcycle, when it even stated in his contract, you're not allowed to ride them. They literally had that in his contract because they knew he liked them. They're like, Jay, don't do this. Then he tries to pull a trick in the middle of a crowded street, loses control, and we know the rest, and it's unfortunate. Like, I'm not saying, like, oh, you're, like, you got hurt, like, you dumbass. Like, that sucks. Yeah. But at the same time, you got to take some responsibility for what you do, just like the normal, every, the rest of us in life. You know, mm-hmm. we all got to take responsibility for our actions. And Markel was literally two months away from being the number one pick in the draft. And he got on a bike in like Puerto Rico or something like that. Didn't tell anyone that he crashed it, banged up his shoulder. And then it messed up his whole shooting motion. Then had his agent and his mom and whatever cover for him. And, and, and like, it's just like, come clean, man. If yeah. you, I think if we, I think if the Sixers would have known that he had all, or any franchise for that fact, yes, he would not wouldn't have been taken on, but they still would have taken him on potential alone. Look at look at Michael Porter. They didn't think he was gonna walk. That's why he slid the fifteen. Now look at him, stud. Yeah, he still got a lot of thing polishing to do, but still. So I think people would have taken him, and they just would have done the Michael Porter routine: go sit on the sideline for a year, do what you need to do, like. I, it, people don't, I don't think it's like it's the same thing with like I was saying with concussions a couple podcasts ago or like with the ribs with Drew Brees like a shoulder is another like any body part you mess up it, it's tough but a shoulder in basketball it's your whole like it, there's so many appendages inside there 
that re you rely on just to shoot a little, you know, a leather ball, an eight ounce leather ball or whatever it is. And like, it clearly messed him off to the point that it ruined his mind. And it sucked because he seemed to get better. And then this happens and it's just like, you know, what are you going to do? Like, it, it, you just hope that he's not the next Sean Livingston. Well, no, yeah. Well, I guess it worked out pretty well, but Livingston before the injuries was going to be, you know, was on track to be a pretty phenomenal point guard. And, you know, he had a nice bounce back. So I guess that's what Mark Fultz can hope for now. <laughs> yeah. But I do think I agree that the mystery of where the fuck did this shoulder injury happen? How all of a sudden does his shooting form look so bad? How that mystery hurt him so much. And as a need 18, especially eight, as an 18 year old. Yeah. 18 and 19 year old kid. You don't want to fuck up anything like your draft stock, especially when it could cost you tens of millions of dollars. Um, I understand that fear, but at that point, I think you got to just man up and be like honest with the front offices and say, Hey, this injury happened. I was an idiot. Just give draft me and just give me time to rehab and get fully healthy instead of just sliding him in and out of the lineup and doing all types of stuff. But we should be, we should be given a compensation pick for that, but you know, whatever. Yeah, whatever. All right. So Joel Embiid is playing at an incredible level and he's staying healthy. He's playing back to backs. Um, do you think that he could make, or I shouldn't say he could, but do you think he's one of the top three candidates for MVP uh, so far this season? Uh, maybe what, what are we, 12 games in now? Uh, yeah, I mean, he should be. And I agree with what you said in the opening where it's amazing how that got no love. Like Jason Tatum will drive the ball to the basket. Lamella Ball will throw like a regular assist or like, you know, like, oh, my God, LeBron didn't look when the ball went into the net. Cool. He took a shot and turned around. Like, it's what people do. Like, it wasn't because he knew it was going in. In this case, maybe he did. But it's like, who gives a shit? Like, LeBron's done so much more. They're, like, do we really need to keep milking it at that point? Like, and that's why I hate sports on ESPN. It's like, oh, LeBron didn't look at his shot. Meanwhile, Joel put up 45 and – what was it, 17, 15? 16. He 16. had five five steals, like a block, four assists or like, whatever. Yeah, like two or three blocks. But, yeah, exactly. Like That's a huge night, 45 alone, and then 16 rebounds. And it's just like they spent – and I love Russ just as much as you. I'm the big, I'm one of the biggest Russ stands there is. Like, I get all the fault with his game, but I love him. And they spent an entire season going apeshit over his triple doubles. Mm -hmm. and you can't get excited for one night about the fact that Embiid did that like and it's just like I don't know and I you know I, like you said we're, in Philadelphia we have this like bias in our heads where it's like everyone hates us but we don't care like you know fuck you like we don't care and yeah. like that you know that's just it, it's not even how we are raised it's just like a culture that like you eventually like develop it's you know it's just it's just our town it's the city like and obviously we're not from Philly, Philly, we're from the suburbs, but you know, <laughs> it, it, it breeds out into the suburbs of Philly. And we, and you grow up like thinking like every, I think like you said, every town thinks or every city thinks like that they're the most. Unless you're in like an LA or New York, but those are two cities. Outside but you of that. should think that then because you're LA and New York. So that's why most people do hate you, but it's just like, 
people hate Philly. And it's like, you know what? We give them a lot of reasons to. You know, we say water instead of water. Like, you know, like, it, 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 there's a, that, that's a main example, like, of, like, I know how many people in, like, college would just get annoyed that, like, we would say that. But it's like, whatever, screw it. That's just who we are, and we like it. And you know what? Fine. They don't want to give you all the love. Give them more fire. Fuel it. Let yeah. him just keep getting pissed that they're not doing it. It was great. It was great to see him drill that jump shot that I think it was the best idea for a tie, like to try to tie the game. No, taking a fadeaway when, like, that Dirk doing his one legged knee in the nuts fadeaway. Absolutely. But Joel, I, but then again, I, I guess his shooting's looked a lot better this year. His decision making's been better. He's actually playing better defense, I feel like, and that's not getting recognized. Um, like you, like we said, it's just amazing when you have a competent coach. <laughs> like it's just amazing what Doc it has is, done for this team. It is amazing, and it seems like Joel Embiid is doing what he should have done last year, or at least he's succeeding more in taking in that that hate or that lack of love and lack of attention on the national stage. And now he's using that as fuel and saying, "Fuck it, you want me to? All right, everyone, hop on my back. I'm taking this team to the win. Like we're just right. going and." When we haven't I seen think, him do that a lot, and yesterday was, I think, hopefully a precursor. He also looks in better shape. Would you say that? He does look in better shape, and I think he just looks more engaged with Doc, and he's more willing to learn from Doc at in between timeouts and everything like that. And he just looks more confident and ready to just be like, yeah, I'm a top three center in the league, probably top two, and I'm, I'm not number two in his head. So – and especially, I think he scored 20, like 20 points in the fourth quarter alone. And I know, if, I know for a fact, if Giannis does that, ESPN goes nuts and obliterates the entire feed. CBS goes nuts, obliterates the entire feed. The Ringer, they absolutely plaster that all over the story, saying why Giannis mm-hmm. is a dominant force, three-time MVP, whatever. Sometimes I feel like the Philly bias is uncalled for where it's like, or at least not uncalled for, but it's like a little ridiculous and a little bit of a stretch sometimes. But other times I, I think to myself, yeah, that's completely accurate. I watched first take for two hours go from not mention it once how Joel Embiid dropped 45 against a Miami Heat team in overtime when Tyler Hero was putting up 34. And meanwhile, Joel Embiid took the team to the promised land and got the win. For two hours, they were talking about Harden rumors, NFL, Kyrie Irving, gone, whatever. But Joel Embiid is putting his stamp on this game as a dominant big man who is in the running for MVP, in my opinion. He is top three, probably top two in the early stages of this season outside of LeBron. I don't see a player who has helped his team more than Joel Embiid, especially with Simmons being out. Um Seth Curry out for a little, for a while due to COVID. Um, it's just ridiculous to me that you think, he's you think not Doc's getting... pissed at his daughter. God. Why'd you give him COVID? God damn it! <laughs> um, <laughs> not saying it's her fault. Just you know, it'd be funny. It's like so. Oh yeah. For people but... who don't know, Seth Curry is Doc Rivers' son-in-law. But I'm sure everyone knows that because ESPN hammered that joke home seventy times at the draft. This past this past year, oh, that, do you know that they traded for him because of that? Oh my god! And 
no, maybe Seth Curry's a quality shooter that we want on this team. Right. But anyway, (laughs) Joel Embiid is give this man respect or keep fueling him. I'm more than happy with that. Keep letting him dominate. They play uh, Miami again tonight at seven. I'm excited to see if he plays and comes out and just hangs another 30 or 40. Yeah, yeah, same thing. Come out. I, I'm expecting well, he's a better. Probable. He's probable again. He's probable. And I don't, people have to remember like the games he's been out, they're 0 and 2, 0 and 3, or whatever. But those are coming off back to backs where he's put up monster performances. It's, it's not like where it was two to three years ago where it was like, okay, we're being cautious. We don't want to play him or one little tweak or something like that. And he's done. No, he's putting his body through incredible punishment because he's carrying this team to incredible wins the previous game. So yeah, his back's going to be stiff. He's going to, his joints are going to be sore, whatever. So it's more understandable this time around. And I'm expecting a good performance from Joel. I'm expecting a bounce back performance from Simmons, Danny green, Danny green at this point, we got to finally, about green. that was fine. That was, that's the Danny green we've been waiting for. Yes. I, I was very pleasantly surprised to say the least when I saw that he uh, put up nine threes or whatever. You're like but 29 ten, points, right? Yeah. Yeah. Nine threes. Um, I don't remember his stat line exactly, but down the stretch when I was watching that game, he just looked like he was a great rebounder and got them incredible second chance points that led to the win. I'll give him credit for that. But shooting wise, he hurt them by just not taking advantage of open looks and starting to concern me a little bit. Do you think that he's be, he's been more of a positive or more of a negative so far in this season? I think he's been I think he's positive for this reason is that like he just comes in with that that championship mentality. He won a natty at UNC. You know, we both know that as UNC fans. Mm-hmm. He won he, he he's won three titles now. Two with you know, he won one in in what? 14 was it? 13 or 14? Yeah. 14. Then he won the one with the Raptors in uh, 19, and then this one in 20 with the Lakers, as evidenced by that video with the Joker trying to, like, come at him. And he goes, I got three fucking champions, bro. Like, it's the <laughs> ultimate, I like, did see comeback. that. Yeah. And, and it's so funny. And uh, I think it's I think he's brought a professionalism to this. This it's it, I think it's definitely a professionalism that was needed. And I, I, with Doc, too, it's just kind of like the winning mentality that they should have done years ago. After we got done the process, when we got serious about it, instead of bringing in, like, as much as Ursan was great for this team and, you know, um, like whatever other person they pulled. Bellinelli. Uh, yeah, Bellinelli, thank you. Well, I guess Bellinelli was, but he's not – he's never been, like – I don't know. He doesn't, like, have that kind of – he doesn't have the personality, I feel like, to go into the locker room and just be like, listen, this is how we're fucking doing things now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jimmy Butler did, but he didn't have the championship to back it up. He just had the Jimmy Butler, I'm going to be a dickbag personality, which, hey, that works. But I'd rather it work if you had a ring on your finger, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. You don't even have, like, a Big East title to your name. So, like, let's get a couple things straight there. Like, whereas, you know, like, Danny Green's done nothing but win his whole life problem like you know like he did nothing but like win ACC's and natties at UNC did nothing but win he's gone to the Spurs and probably been to countless you know uh 
conference championships and and you know NBA finals and and won three titles. It's just he just knows how to win. And so, like, I think that, like, if you look at it, he went to the Raptors to Kawhi. Then he went to L.A. to help LeBron and Anthony. And obviously having those two together is a bigger thing than anything. But don't discount what he can do. I think it's more about the mentality in the locker room and the threes in the defense is what he brings. And that's why, I like, he's getting up there, obviously. We know that. We can say it. But I'm telling you, it's it, it, don't discount if somehow we win this all this year – which is a very big if. There's a lot of things that go into it, health, COVID, everything. Do not be surprised if players come out and say, Danny, it was Danny was it was Danny. Danny came in and he and he set this locker room straight. He showed us what it was like to win from day one. He did this, he did that. He I'm telling you right now, it will not surprise me one bit if that is the stories that come out, even if it's a at the halfway bar. Yeah. You know, do you right? Do you agree or yeah, I think that was a big reason why they decided to bring him and Dwight Howard in. I think those two guys have been great for the culture. And I think if you're Danny Green, you can't you can only pick up things. Like look at some of the coaches he's had. He's had Popovich, he's learned he's Nick been on Nurse. Nick Nurse, uh even Frank Vogel. Frank Vogel did an Frank incredible an job. Underrated coach. He's an underrated coach, man. He is. Um I think he got <laughs> people got caught up in the whole Jason Kidd marriage to LeBron because in LA or whatever, Frank Vogel is a great coach, uh, especially defensively. Uh, and he's, he really helped Paul George blossom into the player right. that they he took was. that team. They took that heat team to seven games. People forget yeah. that because Roy Hibbert fell apart. People forget for two straight years, they took them to six games and then seven games. They exactly. had that Heat team on the line. So it's you can, you don't get there, but like, like yes. like So that's even with the same case with Scotty Brooks, because now I'm contradicting myself, where it's like, well, he had these many. But it's like you have to at least do something right. And Frank Vogel, like, you know, he took a bunch of guys that weren't supposed to be that good together and made them that good. And he was That's the difference the- between him and Scotty Brooks. And he was making adjustments on the fly, especially in the playoffs. LeBron, uh, I was listening to LeBron's episode on a road trip and with uh, RJ, uh, Richard Jefferson and Channing Fry. Um, and LeBron was saying, yeah, Frank Vogel made all the right adjustments of, you know, swapping in JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, Markeith Morris. Like he made those adjustments in the lineup when we needed them most and going up against some of the toughest games that we were facing at that time. So I think Danny green brings that some of that championship uh, energy and that focus. But that being said, despite that incredible performance, he shot 10 for 25, nine of 21 or 20 on threes uh, last night. I'm still concerned about him not hitting big threes when we need him to. And then we have to rely on a Dakota Mathias or an Isaiah Joe who had a great game, but in big now moments. I know where they drafted him now because when and that draft and you remember I I I am the biggest Miles Powell fan there is out there I think in the world like outside of his family and I still don't know why <laughs> we haven't signed him to the practice squad like just just do it like you've seen how we can make players better on the practice squad or something like the dude can score you don't like he's a scorer. And yeah. I, 
like, I just, like, I was so livid. I'm like, he's still out there. Why are we not taking him? We need a shooter, and he's a playmaker, and he's a ball handler. And now I say it, dude, Isaiah Joe can shoot the fucking rock. I and mean, that can kid handle it, too. Master, yeah, he has got a stroke like no other. It is a beautiful shot. I mean, and with, and, and with that said also, I love Tyrese Maxey more and more every game. Tyrese I just Maxie. love him. You can He's tell get... the team loves him too, right? Like you can yeah. just tell that the veterans are like, yeah, like they just ride for him. And that's, that's, and, and with the, the Dwight Howard thing too, like, I don't think I've seen Dwight Howard this happy since the 09 magic. He no. just seems like, I think it's a, he got his ring and B, he finally understands his place in this NBA. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm a bench guy who needs energy and needs the rebounds. And Unfortunately, he's also basically got this negative connotation with him now where the refs call the game differently for him. That second foul he got the other night when Chris Sylvia or whatever the, the, the some of the fouls are calling was, some of the unreal. fouls are calling are ridiculous. It was a dive. If that was soccer, that'd be a yellow card for diving, for simulation. Like he literally got up on him to get like didn't even shove him. It's got behind him to get in position for a rebound. And Silva or whatever his name is was just like he pulled a Cristiano Ronaldo and was like, oh, and like fell to the ground. And it's just like, sorry for yours there. But it's just like, really? How is that a fact? And like the refs just buy it. So. No, I, I agree. Like, I agree. Yeah, the officiating, the officiating is getting to a point where it's like, you got to let him have some freedom and be physical down low. And it's the league in general, man. It's just, yeah. there's just some calls where you watch the game and it's just like, did you really just make that? Like, it's like, like there's a clean block, but because it looks like there's no way it could have been a clean block. They just, they didn't blow the whistle because in their heads are like, there's no way. Like I was watching a Vandy game a couple of weeks ago on the fast break. This kid just jumps up and just flat out. Just, it was nasty. The swats. Is, and in my head, I'm like, yeah, there's no way he didn't get a hand there. And they call a foul. And they, they look, you look at the replay and he literally got nothing but ball. And it's just like, so I think in their head, it's just like, there's no way that can't be a foul. So I'm calling a foul. And that's not good. That's some T, Tim Donaghy I, shit. I hate the defender is guarding in transition or just guarding a drive, a driving uh, ball and handler hands up. in gen. Hands up the entire time is just using their body to like front them and like offensive either push them creates, towards. Offensive player creates contact. Yes, exactly. And the refs call that because, oh, he bumped into the chest. And I'm like, why are you – why? The defender is going hands up and is using his body to force exactly. him either baseline or force him in the middle towards Embiid, big man, whatever. Like, you got to let that shit play and just let it happen. How if is it can- a foul when the offensive guy goes like this? Like, for the people just listening – all 15 rips people through. that are going to listen to me. Yeah. Rips through and, and hits the, hits the defender in the, in the fucking chin and throws a hook shot from three point land. How is that a foul on the defense? When the offensive player <laughs> creates contact. How is that defense? Or how is that a foul? I don't, I'll never understand it. It's not. No. It, and it blows my mind. College, high school, pros, whatever. If you're the offensive player and you drop your shoulder or you rip through or you, you know, you jump into the guy like to create the contact, the fact, and you know who I blame for it? I blame fucking James Harden. I blame James Harden. 
As much he's as I've the, defended James Harden, he does he does deserve. He is the blame. king of it. I blame James Harden. It so. No, I agree. And the uh, the classic pump fake at the three point line, and then just like jump into the defender who bites yeah. on the pump fake and chucks up a three. I'm like, that's three foul shots. That is three free throws that don't deserve to be called. The defender, especially when is, they jump into him, like you said, the jumping in, yes. But if the defender comes down on them. And that's just a savvy play, but the jumping in, which James Harden always does. You, you know for a fact that three-pointer is not going in. You know for good and damn well that three-pointer is not going in. Mm-hmm. 99.9% chance not going in. You just want the, the free throws. And it just drives me nuts because then the game slows down or a starter gets in foul trouble or it's a pivotal call and the – closing minutes of a game or halftime and it's just like why don't get so ticky tacky you just got to let that shit slide and james harden i give him credit he's one of the most creative innovative scorers this game has ever seen that is more than in my opinion more than deserves credit but when you're whining about every single foul that you don't get called and you're still putting up 30 to 30 to 35 a game or whatever like you know you're gonna get that the next time down the floor just wait just wait and don't throw your palms up don't stop yelling when you're going down the floor get back on defense and guard and then get another possession just the whole league has a problem with the whining what's, and complaining. what's defense <laughs> that's, that's no i agree and, and i can't wait to watch two dominant ball guys fight over the rock in Brooklyn. Like, who says this is going to work? Unless... Like, why? Like, Kyrie's a, Kyrie belongs in a mental institution. And James Harden's, you know, Ronald McDonald playing basketball. Like, let's... All right, let's 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 talk about that Harden trade. Um, so, James Harden blockbuster happens last night for people who are not aware. I had to, like, actually, like, take, like, five times to read the article to understand who got what and how this trade like really happened. Um, so Houston finally gets rid of Harden after a very long time. It was bound to happen. James Harden is going to the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, the Rockets are receiving, um, I believe it is, hold on. Let me, where is this? Where is they're getting, they're getting like Oladipo and like three yeah. or four first round okay, picks? Okay, I got and... it. So Rockets get Victor Oladipo, Dante Axum from Cleveland, and Rodians Karukas from Cleveland. Four first round picks and four pick swaps from Brooklyn. Meanwhile, the Nets get James Harden and a second round pick. The Cleveland Cavaliers get Jared Allen and Torian Prince, and then Indiana Pacers get Karis Lever and a second round pick. So. Now, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, who's been AWOL since last week or two weeks ago. Yeah, what's up with him? I, no one knows. No one has any idea. Um, he wasn't getting those post touches that he wanted so bad? I guess not. <laughs> but there was <laughs> a photo of – or a video of him. He was on a Zoom meeting with, uh, like, a district attorney or some, some, something like that. And then there, the NBA is investigating video of – him in a at a party at a family party and dancing around with no mask on um so 
now KD, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden have to figure out a way to coexist on the floor, get the right touches, and somehow share the ball enough to win a championship. And actually, they depleted their roster too. Let's put it that yeah. way. They Jared got rid Allen. Of their, they got rid of their best interior defender in Jared Allen. Mm-hmm. Right. They got rid of probably their best bench scorer or, you know, fourth option in Karis LeVert. And they lost their – and any chance of rebuilding the roster through the draft for the next – really next five years. And isn't because... that how the Nets got in the situation to begin? Because they trusted, you know, Billy King, who traded a King's ransom for – KG. Uh, for an age and uh, out of out of like out of, you know an aged KG and Paul Pierce, yeah, exactly. So, so well, how do you not learn your lesson? Like I don't get, I don't get, I, I just like, and then it's like that's a market too. That's a prime market for basketball, and the NBA lets them get away with it. It's like you shouldn't be able to trade that much. First of all, for a guy that clearly, if he, things don't go right, he's gone in what in a year. How long two is his years. contract? He's like? under two he's years? under contract two years. Well, or you'll have to blow it up, and it's just like if teams know you're gonna have to blow it up because it's a it's it's not working, you're not getting the bet. Like, I don't get how you have to give up Alan Levert, three first rounders and pick swaps for a guy who doesn't play defense, is almost on the wrong side of 30 if he isn't already. Looks like he ate his his twin. After the after the he bubble. ate the whole the old James Harden yeah, and seems to be a malcontent who who blows in the playoffs. I don't get it. If this was Steph Curry, I'd be like, yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. You, you know, like if it's LeBron, I'd be like, wow, that's all they had to give up for it. Like, like there's a yeah. like, like I like I there's there is a limited amount of people I would give up that much for, and James Harden is not one of them. I'm sorry. He is it, no, I, one of the I agree most with you. overrated players of the list. Yes, he's he's an all-time great, but you only average that many points because the entire team is geared around you. And to sit there and come out and be like, the culture is crazy in this organization. It can't be fixed. You're the fucking reason the culture is crazy, you dickhead. It's you, your fault. You wanted this. You were the one who wanted this, James Harden, and you got your wish and then never came through. And, and no. Like – it doesn't make any sense. How can it's like me saying like, "Oh, this party sucks," but the party's at my house and I invited everyone who's there. Thank you. It's yes. It's like how does you that... get enough? No, because you, you didn't get you... enough beer. Or you didn't invite girls. It's just all dudes or like, you know what I mean? Like it's just like, exactly. It doesn't make any sense. But, but there's no accountability in the NBA, Matt. They don't have to be accountable. I think it's I. Th- well, I shouldn't say I think, but. My feeling is that the Nets are trying to keep on the TV right now. (laughs) My feeling is that the Nets did this to keep, to give their best chance of uh, keeping Kevin Durant for the long haul instead of the next two to three years or wherever he's there. Um, But there's just, I don't, the only person I can see, the only person out of this three people who could be the Chris Bosch of this group is Kevin Durant. Because he's the I best think, one out of all of them, too. I know exactly. He's the best I think of the he's three, and he's going to be the one that only has, he's the one who has. And I'm not even a KD fan, but oh, I love KD. I, I know. I think he's a great player, but I think his like 
I don't want to say smug, but his like very like sensitivity. That and like he almost like carries himself like like I'm better than like and like yeah I get it man you're one of the probably the best 15 players to ever play the game when it's all said and done like he's that yeah. good. Um, I just there's something about him. I think sensitivity is the right word. I think you're correct in saying that. Is just he how he just gets offended at everything, but he he can say whatever he wants. Yeah. Like nah, bro, you got to take it and receive it. You yeah, know? you got. If you're going to dish it out, you got to be willing to take it. But I think he's the only one that's smart enough and, like, seeing the whole vision of, listen, someone's got to eat it and just give up more shots and just give them the ball and let them work in space and defend. No, all my six or seven post touches. <laughs> I just I, – why Kyrie wants to work in the post is beyond me, but go ahead. Um I just KD is the only one who I can see, quite frankly, having enough common fucking sense to say someone's got to give it up, give up the rock more often and limit shot, like give them more shot opportunities and do their thing. And right now, I think he's the only person that can do that because a Kyrie isn't on the team as of right now. And B, I don't see Harden all of a sudden flipping a switch and saying, hey, I'm going to play defense. Hey, I'm going to do this, this, and this. Yeah, and he never played this. defense even before he was big. No. Um, and he doesn't ha- He doesn't look like he has the athleticism and, like, the really the, the bunnies and the jump to really have, like, an impact as an off-the-ball cutter like he was in OKC for a little bit. Um, and it's just – it looks like an experiment that's doomed to fail. It just looks doomed to fail – Especially, I don't think Kyrie's in Brooklyn much longer. And do you I think, think they're going to listen to Steve Nash? Like, do you like, even though they should, because he's probably a brilliant basketball mind. Like, or not I think probably they will. is. I think KD will. Mm. I don't think Kyrie will listen to anyone. Kyrie could have God sitting on that bench. I mean, like, Kyrie, you need to pass the ball more in the pick and roll. And he'd be like, <laughs> man, the universe is flat. Like, he's just that. I don't know. I just, I agree. I don't, if it works, then we're wrong, but I just don't see how it does. And anyone who's sitting there today and is like, oh my God, they're going to be so unbeatable. No, they're they're not. It's going like, to be you, like, it means you don't understand the game if you think that. It's going to be like a pickup game. This is what we thought when KD first went to the Warriors. This is what I thought, at least. This is what I thought the Warriors were going to be, where. Steph and Clay were going to want too many shots, and I was wrong. Obviously, it worked out very well. And Steph and Clay because they're better than Kyrie. That, and they're so efficient off the ball. They're incredibly efficient off the ball. They're always moving. They're always they're always coming off screens. They're always coming off flex cuts and back doors and everything like that. Whereas Kyrie and Harden, they play like they're playing down in like the the street ball. Like they're literally, I. I just don't – they play them like they're in a pickup game. It just doesn't yeah, make any it's sense. Like, it's like going to Albathorpe and playing a game or something, you know? It's like, exactly. It's like they don't, they don't it's, get it's, it, and, and it worked with the Warriors because all of them are intelligent basketball players. And then when I say that – It was the right I'm culture, not, I'm not too. I'm Kyrie dumb or – I'm just saying and as their, their IQ for basketball is so high. Yeah. Even like Draymond's is, you know, it's just, it was just all of them. And they like, understand how the game flows. Right. They, and they understand when to give up, when they're not. They, and it, that's something Harden and Kyrie have no clue about. And they never will. And so I, I, I don't, if anything, 
I think that just helped the Sixers out. It did. It, when we stay healthy, le- I think that it's helped us out. It helped le- a lot of the East out. Let Kyrie, let Kyrie work in the post if he ever does come back. Go ahead. We will be happy to defend that. Um, Harden can take his 45 dribbles and take off half of the shot clock and do a pump favor whatever. Offense ever. Stupidest and, offense ever. <laughs> but if he thinks he's getting 30 shots a game with Brooklyn, he's out of his damn mind. Yeah. So let's move on. Let's move on to the Flyers. Um, picked up a win. One, one and zero on the season. Uh, I sent you a video of Travis Konechny chirping the Penguins a couple years ago from the outdoor game. Fucking amazing. If you haven't, if you haven't listened to it, highly recommend it. TK, absolutely great chirper. Uh, but they come out and they look sluggish first two periods and explode in the third, get three goals. I think the last two were within like 20 to 30 seconds of each other. They won six to three 20, against the 20, 20 seconds. They scored. Yeah. Part. Yeah. 20 seconds in between each other. Nolan, Pat, Nolan Patrick got his first goal since April of 2019, which was great. Huge, huge, huge. He, huge looked, he looked very active yesterday too. Oscar Lindblom getting his first start in a long time on that on that first line that Vigneault sent out there. So I'll ask you this to start off. What what are your first thoughts about the Flyers? What do you think? So precursor, hockey is the most is the one sport that I'm probably the most illiterate with. Like I, I just mm. I love watching it. I think it's probably the best sport to watch live, in my opinion. I love going to a Flyers game. Um Wells Fargo Center is one like of the it. best. Wells Fargo Center is one of the best home crowds in the that, league. That that new that new thing they put in, where um, all the way at the top, I forget what it's called, but it's like a lounge basically where you go up there and it's like they have like three or four bars and some food, and you can just like sit in these leather chairs and like you're all the way up, up, up at the top of the, the stadium, but they make it so you like it's like really cool like because you can basically see the jumbotron like you're level uh, out of the jumbo. It's, yeah, and it's like. 25 bucks 30 bucks or like i think at most like 50 it's like 25 to 50 between what you want to get for a ticket and you just and, you, and it's like you don't have to sit in the seat the whole time it's like a cool experience to get a bunch of people together to go but it was a, it was a great idea by by the flyers to do that um so i will say that like i can sit here and talk tactics with basketball with baseball somewhat with football with soccer definitely like all day hockey yeah, no. And I hate the dump and chase. I don't get it. I, I, I just don't understand the idea of just throwing the puck into the zone and not, not doing what they should like, like trying to build a momentum. I, I, I so that said, um, they look, they look, they look good yesterday. It's going to be a weird season. It's going to be a lot of games put together uh, closely there's going to be a lot of rust that needs to be shaken off. Um, it's going to be wacky. I think you're going to see like some teams that like would never have a shot, like getting into the playoffs to get in. Um, yeah. But maybe that's where keeping this team together, like my biggest comp, my biggest complaint with this, these guys was why did we not go get another score? Like how the mm. fuck are we going to rely on JDR again? Like Mike Hoffman was out there for $4 million at one year. You're telling me we didn't have $4 million to give him. Yeah. Like, come on. Like, and like, maybe he's just that much of a malcontent, but the dude scored 30 some goals and put up like 30 or 40 some assists in the last year. Like, just take him for one year to help your cup chances. Yeah. Um, so 
I love beating Schittsburg anytime we get the chance. I love it. Oh, yeah. Like just I love making watching Crosby bitch and complain and cry. Like fuck Malkin. I appreciate their greatness, but I also hate the fuck out of them. Like it is what it is. Um just like they hate us, you know, like whatever. It's just mutual respect, maybe. But uh, I don't know. It's going to take a while, but like the just, I, you know, what my biggest concern is, I guess, when I'm with all this going on, is there's so much love being pro- heaped on Carter Hart that I'm afraid it's going to fuck with him and he's going to have a bad year. Like mm. I don't want the second coming to carry Price. I yeah. want I want I want another version of Bernie Perron. I don't want a goalie that like Canada is always like, oh, he's the next great thing, and then it's just like he has one good year, then he wins Vesna, then he shit for two, then wins another Vesna, and it's like I want consistency. I'd rather him win one Vesna and help us get two Stanley Cups. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think with with the goal scorer situation, I think they were de- they are I should say the Flyers are depending on. Nolan Patrick finally breaking out, bouncing back from not playing all last season and filling that role as the guy who can go out and get you some goals. And I think that's a reasonable strategy, but I would like that insurance policy and Mike Hoffman type player that could still put it in the back of the net. And just having that insurance policy in general, I think is a good idea. Right. Cause Jake is over the hill at this point. Yeah. Like Giroux is just all about the assist anymore. Like it's it's like we don't have that number one sniper. I think I think they're grooming Konechny to be that. I think right. Konechny, they want him and Patrick to be that, but that that's yeah. still a little bit away. As of as of now, I agree they don't have that. Um with Carter Hart, I think he is a guy who is incredibly young and is incredibly humble. And I think the playoffs last season. He knew that was not his best game. The, he had some of his worst games, especially that Canadian series was hard fought. That game, that series with the Islanders was incredibly difficult. So if I'm Carter Hart, I'm saying to myself, we were a game seven away, game six or seven away, just one game from getting to the conference finals. And who knows what happens from there. And to be quite honest, the power play in the bubble absolutely atrocious oh my god atrocious. it was just stuff of nightmares it was just stuff it was of nightmares. a fractional percentage of success on that power play and they put so much pressure on him to be a shutout goalie mm-hmm. like only allow one or two by a max because our power play just didn't look great at all and i think he's of the mindset of i can i take i was on the doorstep of a conference finals. Let's do it again. Let's go back out there. I'm going to play my best hockey. Just give me some help on the power play, take off some of the pressure and I'll be right there with you guys. And that being said, the power play going two for three. Um, Gustafson for MVP. Gustafson has looked (laughs) great. Uh, I'm very ecstatic about that. If they can keep that special team success in the playoffs, because we saw that a little bit last season where the power play was great. The penalty kill was top fifth, top 12 in the league last season. But the power play in the bubble, in the playoffs, 
did not thrive at all, to say the least. It was like one for like 44 or something. One point they had like, they hadn't scored in like 18 chances or something. Exactly. It was, it was, it was was bad. And like, you know, like, uh, that's, that's my worry is it just like G and Voracek, they're just on their last legs. Like, JVR has been on his last legs for how many? Just like that's a, that that's what annoys me more is that it's like oh we have JVR and we're paying this money, don't pay him the money then and go get somebody like Mike Hoffman. Yeah. Or one of the other millions of free agents you could have offered money to that actually would have scored goals for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it, it's uh, I don't know. So, and no, my don't, my I... bigger worry is Vigneault. Like he's had this history of. He gets teams good, and then they get to the Stanley Cup, and then they immediately nosedive. Yeah. He's he's like he's like Laviolette without a cup, and that worries me. It's just like, but that's hockey. Like I feel like it's you're very lucky if you find a coach that system doesn't eventually get figured out, and you can stick around like like John Cooper down in Tampa or Quinville, who who had been around the block once or twice before he yep. finally settled in Chicago. Now he's back in Florida, but it's just like that's what worries me. And it's just, it's just I love that Limblanc's back out there. I mean, it's awesome because at this point last year, everyone thought he was going to die, and it's yeah. just awesome to see him playing hockey again. And I hope Nolan Patrick can get better and and, and produce. And you know, we have some young guy, you know, and then that TK finally like starts producing at a consistent level. You know, not Paul Korea, but like. Maybe he can be the next kind of Paul Korea guy, the short guy that's really good. Um, or, you know, for the younger generation out there, um, Martin St. Louis or something like that. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, we, we, we have Faraby who looked solid last night. Um, who's the local kid? Oh. Oh, crap. Why am I blanking on his name? Um, shit. I have no idea. I'm this tells you how much I don't know shit about hockey. I should but know this, but too. I don't. You know what I mean? Like, we got some, and then we have uh, Morgan Frost. You know, we oh. and the D's fairly young and stuff like that, so. I just, with I agree on the Vigneault point that um, there is a little bit of fear of me that that trend does continue where he gets this team to a cup appearance, but can't get it done. And then all of a sudden we're seeing the decline. But another part of me thinks he knows that the clock is ticking on him to win a cup soon. And there's only, you can only, you can only take so many teams to the cup without winning it before teams stop hiring you or they stop looking at you for head coaching gigs. And I think he, this is a city that, he loves the passion in the, of this fan base, especially with the Flyers, um, that he wants to win a cup, especially for the guys like Giroux, Voracek, Couturier, guys who have been here for an, an extremely long time. And Voracek looks great. I, he looked like he had some really good legs in that opening game. He looked like he was cutting through the ice pretty well, uh, had some good cuts and some good feeds. But overall... Um, I am worried that all these players are on their last legs. JVR at this point is a screener, and that's just that's about it. Yeah, it's, it's and just, we're paying them how much money? It's it's just, like I'd rather have Morgan Frost up here learning the bumps, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like 
just get some fresh blood instead of rolling the dice on some of these older players. That's my, that's probably one of my bigger worries, but I think this team is after how the playoffs ended last season. I think this team is primed, ready to go on a run and ready to really avenge themselves and prove that they belong as one of the top seeds in the East last season and that they will be this season. Um, But what are your, I wanted to ask you this. What are your thoughts like going forward? Like, how do you think this season is going to go? I know it's really early, but um, what would be like your ideal, I guess, seeding wise? Like, where do you want, where do you want to see this? Top four, by the way, Jay O'Brien. That's a local guy. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah, Yeah, probably. (laughs) I I think that's it. I I think that's him. Uh, Top four. And if we kept this team together for what we believe they kept the team together for, nothing short of a conference finals appearance. I think that's what they kept this team together. Either that or Chuck Fletcher's a dumbass, which TBD. You know, like that's – they need to. You you need to. You you can't settle on a conference semi-appearance. No. It's got to be conference finals or bust. Uh, obviously, every every team wants to say Stanley Cup, even though, you know, you know you, you suck. Or you, you know, you, you're the dregs of society. Um, But the Penguins are getting up there, you know, and it's going to be a weird year. So, like – It is going to be a weird year. I think I think the the I think the Lightning are really gonna miss Kucherov. Yeah. Right? Was it Kucherov that, or was it Headman? Which one? Kucherov, right? Kucherov, Kucherov. Yeah. They're really gonna miss him, even though that lineup is stacked up and down from top to bottom. Um, you know, they're obviously my one of my bigger worries. The Avalanche are studs. The stars just need consistent goalie play and they're studs. Well, not they they have a lot of good parts. Let's put it that way. Yeah, the Avalanche, the Lightning, or the two big ones. Then the the, the the Blues went out, and they're the ones that got Hoffman. So that tells yep. me one of two things: either Tarasenko isn't back yet, and I don't know even know if he's playing, but I would I would assume he is, and he's just not ready. Or they're like, screw it, we got like one more run at this. Let's just go get another cup. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. And obviously that's in like another division, and and that's the other thing. The divisions are weird this year. They're cool it, because I think they make more ge- geographical sense, but it's like, like they, they make more sense. But it's like I never liked it when you have more than five people in your division. Like I, I like you remember like like you're not going to, but like you know back in the day before baseball split into three, like it was like the a- NL East was like eight teams. Mm. And like the Braves were like in the NL West, and it's like why? Like yeah. it's just like like before they made like a third division. So it's just like so it's cool for this year, but it's like yeah, uh, for me, I'm saying it's conference semifinal or conference finals are bust, and anything less than that is a disappointment. Would you agree? Yeah, I would agree, especially if they, they need help though. They need I, help. They need a scorer. They need another yes. scorer. Yes, they need to go out, make a trade, whatever they got to do. Um, I firmly believe if they come out in that Islander series, focus from the jump, that series plays out completely differently. That I think they came. Oh, they out- worry me. They worry me too because they're all. They have a lot of young. Barzell is a 
Barzell, in my opinion, is a stud. I'm, I'm more worried. I'm more worried about them because Trotz, Barry Trotz, knows how to coach that team through big moments mm-hmm. and, and coach any team, he, any team through through big. He moments. has a system that is proven, a proven system. Yes, and that's what um, worries me. Exactly, and but I am not sold on their goaltending situation, which is which nearly costed them that series uh, against the Flyers. But I think if those teams. Uh, men again in the playoffs that the Flyers are coming out ready to avenge that series loss and ready to just go we'll, from the jump. We'll see, we'll see it the first time we play them this year. I think you'll see. Yeah. And I, I, if they don't come out and whitewash them, then I'll be a little bit concerned. Yeah, because I'm not talking so, like a seven nothing win, but if they don't come out and just throwing people through the glass, it that will worry me. Exactly, they got to come out, set the tone early, jump on them. Get pucks to the net, play rebounds, whatever you got to do. But you got to come out looking like you're focused and not like this is just some other game that, okay, we're going to get into our game plan and do whatever we got to do. No, you got to come out hungry. You got to, I want to see some jump in the skates. I want to see you you checking people, like you said, being physical and doing what you got to do. As for the biggest threats to the Flyers, I'm worried. I'm worried about Boston, number one, because I think. Pasternak is so dangerous as a scorer, um, and they just have such a great great collection. He's a great player. Great player, just absolutely incredible, and they got some some great talent. But does Uh, losing Chara hurt that locker room? Does losing Chara hurt that locker room? I don't think it does. I I don't. It doesn't hurt the overall performance, maybe, but I don't know, man. He's been a leader there for the better part of almost two decades. I just think he was at a point where the players even understood, hey, this is probably going to be his last year here at least. And I think he was even that bad. No, I think it was just, it was just past his time. Like I just, I, even now he's up there. I remember being in like the fifth grade and going to Philadelphia Phantoms game on like Martin Luther King day or like president's day for a special with like my dad and seeing Chara on the Islanders uh, farm team and being like, cause back then Phantoms tickets were like nothing. They probably still yeah. are now literally being up against a glass and just seeing this. And so think of me, it's like fifth grade, fifth, fifth, sixth grade. So I'm 11, you know, 12 years old, like maybe like five, 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 six at this point. Yeah. And I just see Chara standing there like seven, two on skates. <laughs> and I'm just like, like, I'm like, even like, he's like uh, at the glass. I'm like, Oh my god! Oh and my like, god. like just looking at him, like he's the scariest guy in the world. And he turns around and he like smiles and he throws a puck over the over the uh, the what a great over the guy. glass to me. He's so just like, a good, like yeah, I'm just like I looked at him like he and I think you could just tell that I was like scared of him. And he just like smiled like waves and just like tosses a puck over over the wall to my dad for me. Zdeno like, Chara, confirmed yeah. great guy. I don't know where that puck is now, but it was just cool that he did it. Hey, he did it, though. And he did it to, like, other people, too. But, like, my dad's like, that guy will never make it. The second he handed the puck, he's like, he'll be a pro forever. So, like, <laughs> fast forward, like, 10 years that later. Is the cla- that is such a Philly thing to say. <laughs> oh, my God. It's such a Philly dad thing. 10 years later, I'm like, Dad, you remember seeing that guy? And he goes, Charo? No. And I'm like, yeah. He played for, like, the Binghamton, like, Islanders or whatever they were. And I'm like, he gave us the, the that hockey puck and, like, you're like, well, he's just like a giant on – like he's just like – he looks like he's on stilts. And he's just like, oh, yeah, 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 I do remember that. And he's just like 
Yeah, I'm not impressed. And I'm just like, what? What? Yeah. <laughs> That's my father, though. He's never impressed by anybody. I mean, like, he went to school with Joe Montana, and he's still not impressed by people. So, like, holy like, shit, he still was never impressed. Of course, you know? of course not. Um, but as for the rest of the the league, I am worried about Tampa Bay. Uh, I think there's so much weapons. So many weapons. Just, they have complete lineup. They have incredible depth. Um, but I'm not sold on like, yeah, they're just incredible all around. I don't think Toronto all of a sudden is going to put it together and make a huge, that's just just the NHL. You know who the Maple Leafs are? They're the NHL version of the Cowboys. Uh, or I guess the Canadians would be. So then they're the NHL version of who comes in line after the Cowboys there. Uh, are you talking about just hype wise? Niners, yeah, hype. Like it's like they need to prop them up because they're such a story. I think franchise. Seattle, Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, there you go, there you go. Or Pittsburgh. Well, I want to call them a story the... franchise. It's because it's got to be someone who hasn't won a title in a while, but they're always constantly. I can't even think of it who it would be. Pittsburgh. Oh, because Pittsburgh still won like six cups at this point, or the Steelers no, have still Steelers. won six. Yeah, but they still won. It's like a it's a franchise that hasn't won anything. Oh, uh, but they, they constantly are getting a love. It's like, I'm trying to think of like a team. that's like, it's like the Knicks, they're the Knicks. That's exactly uh, what they are. They are the Knicks of the NHL. God, I can't believe it. Like, I'm, I want to punch myself in the face now. Like, <laughs> I mean, no, Pat, not a- as you're listening to us, you're not going to be allowed to punch me in the face when you get your, you know, <laughs> dumb strength. When you He's going to take advantage of the opportunity. Just- yeah. Timmy, can I punch you in the face? Let's <laughs> um, make the camel wide and be quiet. He's got to go get, get the new packs. Get, your, your, your brother and him will get that too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so, as for – I just – I'm not sold on the rest of the league being incredible, like, huge threats. Uh, like, like I said, Tampa Bay has incredible depth. Um Toronto, they're eh, but I don't like I said, I don't see them all of a sudden putting together a great run. I think this this year coming up or next two years or so are gonna be pivotal for Edmonton if they want to somehow like keep McDavid happy. Now, granted, it's hockey and Buffalo and Buffalo with yeah. uh what's his name? Eichel. Yeah. See like I yeah. said, I, I I'm I'm hockey illiterate. Well, to be fair, there are a lot of names to me- like to know. Um and I, I think Colorado. Yeah, but I could, I could tell you like the fifth reliever on a baseball team sometimes. And I couldn't tell. That's true. That's true. Uh, Colorado, I can see them being one of those teams that was like a one-hit wonder, and then no, dude, it. McDavid, M- M- McKinnon's the best. Sorry, not McDavid. McKinnon is the best player in the league, in my opinion. He's so good. That entire team is so good. Oh, I don't know about Cal, that. Cal Maker is only like in his second full year, and he's oh, only that's true. A, oh, that's true. They have Maker. You know what I'm talking about? Like they have Never so mind. many. What's they have the Finn? What's the what's their Finn? Because everyone's got a really good finish player at this point. As the finish, if the Finland national team doesn't win the Olympic gold next time around, with all like or even the Swedes, like with like those have got to be the two up and coming nations. Like I get it, Canada. Canada and Russia is Russia, but those two again have restocked. Um, Sweden has been incredible the last couple of times. What is Finland's? Oh my God! What is their? What is what is their? The guy is it? 
Is it Vatanen? Is that who's on the or is he on the stars? Uh no, I, who who are you on the on to? the avalanche? Uh he's Finnish, you said, or he's from Finland? He's like he's like one of their other scorers. Rotten big Yeah, yeah, that's it. Rotten. He Mika Rotten. Okay, and then they have Gabriel Landeskog, who in my opinion, is one of the more underrated players in this league. Yeah, he doesn't I would get agree the love. That. Landis Gog is a stud. He has been since yeah. the day he walked into that uniform. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I. That's why they, you know, they they caught they got unlucky and they got caught by a really 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 hot stars team last year. Yeah, but I mean they have they the they have the scoring depth, but I'm looking at their goalies and it's like, okay, Grubauer, yeah, he's. It, is Verlamos or their goalie? Uh, no, he's not listed on the roster. Um, who is it then? Oh, no, Verlamos I, was on the Islanders last year. It's yeah, it's it's Grubauer, I think. But that's it. I just hold on. Let me look. Who are the other two that are listed? There's only two goalies listed on the roster. Who is it? Grubauer. Uh, Francouz, Pavel Francouz. Yeah. Yeah, well, maybe that's uh, a trade that needs to happen midseason or something. I don't know. Yeah, but for Colorado, they have the scoring. The scoring is there, obviously. Uh, but I'm just not sold on the goaltending. The goaltending. No, it's you, a big question. I agree with you. I agree. Yeah, that's and as a Flyers fan, same you could with the sco- Islanders. Yeah, as a Flyers fan, I've seen plenty of teams. You have potential, great scoring potential, but. The goaltending falls flat, let up a couple of goals when you don't need them to, and trying to play to protect a lead is not a safe way to play. You're just going to get run over at that point, mm-hmm. and it it's not going to lead to winning, and it's not championship. It's not championship hockey. So I agree. No, I, I 100% agree with you on that. You, you can't play to just protect the lead. Yeah, and that was my That's biggest concern about this Flyers game when they were up 4-3 to three or whatever midway through the third. I was like, do not play nine to ten minutes of just dump and chase hockey and just try and like, oh yeah, let's just Get shovel back, it in. Park in a soccer term, park the bus. Like I just hate it. It's the worst. Yeah. It's it's I terrible. wasn't I I I I saw them go up three two, looked in, saw they were winning or it was tied, and then I was busy making, you know, the most delicious grilled cheese you'll ever taste in your life. <laughs> I'm telling you, I got the secret. I got the secret recipe. I'll tell you how, how to make it off camera. And uh, we came back, and Mary and I came back as a room. It was six three, and I'm just like, huh, I'm gonna oh. leave now because I'm bad luck. <laughs> <laughs> that's such that's such a Philly thing too to just leave the room and Ooh, not you, check you the yesterday were like don't turn the game on they're in overtime and I'm like I'm not I'm not I'm just gonna I'm just gonna make sure. You text me and tell me if they won or not. That's true. Because so anyway. sorry, go, 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 go. No, what were you gonna say? No, yeah. I was just goaltending, protecting goal. T- it's like in football, prevent defense, you're gonna you're gonna lose. Like mm-hmm. I in my opinion, prevent defense is gonna you're only it's only gonna prevent you from winning. And at if they can lock down if the all teams, like all hockey, in my opinion. You have to, with five minutes remaining in the third period, you cannot pr- try and protect the lead. You got to go, unless it's four-goal lead, maybe three. 
but you yeah, can't you, just sit it. You can't just sit on it and just dump. You can't invite then, pressure. You can't invite the opportunity. Exactly, to and that's what Colorado. Uh, the goaltending I think is going to hurt them, and they don't have the goaltending to sit back and just try and. So say, they'll have like, to constantly go for it. That's a good yeah. point. So. That's why I don't see Colorado's there, but I don't see them in the same company as a Boston, uh, a Tampa Bay. So that's other than that, the Flyers. Like I agree, it's got to be conference finals or bust. You have We've to make be conference. at least in the middle. We got to be at least be in the middle class. There's a couple of teams that are definitely better than us, but there's no way we can't pull a Blues from two years ago and shock the world. Yeah, you have to. You have to. If there is, I don't think there is a round robin this year. But you I don't know to, what their I don't know what their yeah their their plan is. Yeah, so far. it's it's strange. But um, you have to finish. I think you have to finish top three in the division at least, and you cannot be number three. You cannot be number three. I think you have to finish one or two. I'm okay with finishing number three, but if you're a team trying to build momentum for the playoffs and you you're trying to make a cup run, can't be number three. I think you got to be top two. Walk in with a little bit of confidence. And yeah, because you need home field. You need home ice at least for at least two rounds. Yeah, so it's going to be strange, but I think conference finals are more than uh, reachable. Considering, like I said earlier, if the Flyers come out hungry in that first and that series against the Islanders, I believe they win that series. I believe they win that series, go to the conference finals, and then maybe okay, they get a little bit fatigued whatever or they they show signs of slumping but i'm more than complacent as a fan to say hey first year under Vigneault, we made a conference finals let's keep building on that i would be okay with that i would have been okay with that i should say but now you got to start building past the second round you cannot say you can't we were settle just... in your laurels you can't just be like yeah. oh we got there no you need to you need to exactly you need, you to, need build to keep up. You need to steadily keep building and whether that's, you know, you're sticking with your young core to keep continuity or you go out and make some acquisitions to change things up. You, you got to stay active. You can't just do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result, which I don't think Chuck Fletcher is going to do. He's, he made great moves last season and I think he's going to make great moves mid season this we, year. We need a trade. There's definitely got to be a trade and that's, you yeah. know, that's like I said, conference finals are bust to start, and we can go from there. So, you want to move on to the Phillies? Ritual. Yeah, let's go on to the Phillies. Uh, it's been Breaking a shit news. show. <laughs> what we just signed Archie Bradley. Woohoo! Yay, what, we're what? going to the series now. Let's go, we're going to the series, boys. Pack your bags, we're going to the series, <laughs> of course. It's been a shit show of a season, to say the least, as a Phillies fan. Still haven't signed JT Raw Muto. Um, Matt Klintak steps down as GM was the official language. But I think we all know as Phillies fans that the front office didn't want them there anymore. And he thought it would be best to save face and do that and try and not build a totally analytic team, but whatever. Um, Acquired Jose Alvarado from Tampa Bay. They re-signed Hector Neris, Andrew Knapp, and Sir Anthony Dominguez uh, to avoid arbitration. And they hired Sam Fold and Dave 
Dombrowski to overhaul the front office. That being said, for people who may not know of Sam Fold, he was a, quote, major league player information coordinator with the Phillies from 2018 to 2020. And he was a candidate sure for, <laughs> yeah, whatever. It's basically a scout or a bridge between the front office and the players. I don't know. Um, and then he was a candidate for manager vacancies between 2018 and 2020. He was in the running with the Pirates, Cubs, Rangers, Red Sox, and Blue Jays. But he eventually he didn't really take any of those jobs. So he's coming in with very little general manager experience. Of course, the Phillies would fucking hire the one guy who doesn't have general manager experience. That being said, do you think this is a good hire or do you think the Phillies are setting themselves up for failure? Okay, so there's going to be a couple F-bombs coming up. And <laughs> might I add that I just thought of it recently that I'm like, I really hope your mom doesn't listen to this podcast because next time <laughs> I come over, she's going to, Lisa's going to kill me for all the F-bombs I drop. Surprisingly not. Fuck John Middleton. I fucking hate him. Like, how do you go from two winners ago saying, we're going to spend stupid money to, oh, well, I lost some money, even though I'm still worth billions of dollars, so I can't sign anybody in the offseason. This was a team that didn't make the playoffs when basically half the league got into the playoffs last year. You need to invest. It's very clear that we are lacking things. And then you're going to let two of your big position players – well, I have issues with Romilto. I'll get to that in a second. But how are you just going to let Didi walk? Bring him back. Yeah. Yes. Bring Didi back. We need at least two more starting pitchers. You need at least they, – they're trying to repair the bullpen, but they probably still need two or three more arms. Apparently, we're looking at Alex Colom, which I'm happy with. It's just – I just – I just don't get where the mindset is. And and so then you go and hire a guy in Dombrowski who is notorious, notorious for gutting, gutting farm systems. Well, we don't have a gar- we don't have a farm system to gut, right, Matt? Do we? Nope. Nope. I don't nope. Nope. Like we don't like so why do you bring him in then? I I don't I don't get it. It doesn't it doesn't make any sense. Like Didi Gregorius was a great signing last year. He had some he was consistently one of the better hitters on the lineup. He was a great defensive shortstop. Um but he just even if you don't believe in JT Raw Muto should get 110 million over 20 years, just do it to at least say we signed him and the contract didn't work out. Just do that. I I have seen JT bring single-handedly – somewhere else. Give it to Trevor Bauer. Give it to Trevor Bauer. There's, there has to be one pitcher that we can sign that's relatively decent. There has to be one. One. This team is – I get myself excited. To quote Christopher Russo, I get myself excited for this stupid team – Year after year after year. And we make the same mistakes. Now, Bryce Harper signing, I think, a 13-year contract. He's had some great moments, and it's way too early to judge a 13-year, $300 million contract, in my opinion. I think it's too early for that. But 
when he is voicing his opinion and his backing for JT Raw Muto. I'm not saying you completely fold and give JT right. whatever he wants. I'm not saying you do that. But why the fuck is it taking so long to sign him? He's one of the best catchers in the league. He gunned down runner after runner after runner. The Pittsburgh Pirates tried to steal on him and like, four times and didn't learn their lesson and he gunned them down trying to steal second and third not not to mention it's a position where the it's like the tight end in the nfl you need a dependable catcher you need a you need a catcher that can hit and play defense and i like andrew knapp as a backup and the but like it's like so people will give you the argument of the carlos Ruiz argument it's like yes i love chooch but there were so many more complimentary parts on those teams you had a power hitting first baseman he had a power-hitting second baseman, Chase Utley. That he is had, one of the most complete rosters of all time. Right. You had Jason Worth. You had Jimmy. You had two former MVPs, one who should have won an MVP at some point in Utley. You had, you know, the 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 defensive, I'll come up in the clutch with Pedro Feliz, third baseman. Like, you had Shane in, in center, who is the perfect leadoff hitter when, when, you, when it comes down to it. And then you you could mix and match right field. So you could afford to have a purely defensive catcher who only hit like 260 and chooch. Mm-hmm. But that's not the that like that's not the that's not this team now. That no. and, and we don't have a farm system. And so like I think the Sam Fold hire, while I like it, because this is the, this was your original question, I never truly answered. I like the Sam Fold hire. I like it. Because okay. I'm hoping he learned from Friedman. And a couple of other Tampa Bay people, and he seems smart. He seems intelligent. He seems to know what he's doing, how to move players, how to draft, how to do that. Because that's what we really need. We need to start drafting better instead of taking Cornelius Randolph or people like that that we should never draft. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's helping. So I like that, but I think that's a complete panic move on Dickbag John Middleton, knowing that he hired Dombrowski, right? And then yep. everyone backlashed on it, like, why are you hiring him? So to try and offset the Dombrowski move, he was like, let's let, let's bring in this guy to try and make it look better. And my only fear is that he is just I, – I don't think he is because he at least played the game in the majors and knows it. I just don't want Klintak 2.0 because yeah. I hate – like. Clintac is the that's that that generation of GMs and all these organizations, no matter what sport it was, hired that are just like, mm, well, the stats say, oh, well, if he feels the ball at a twenty percent rate, I'm gonna like, no, dude. Can he hit or can he field? Can he tackle? Can he miss tackle? Can he throw the ball? Can he catch it? Can he shoot the puck? Can he shoot the shoot the rock? Like, and, and it's just like, well, the numbers say that his true shooting percentage. Or, it's like, no, man, like. Yes, that works. I get advanced metrics work. I, I understand advanced metrics work. But you can't solely rely on them, you know? Like, do you agree? Like, you can't. No. Like, like, I, there's I, a reason it got done for years without it, right? The analytics costed the Rays a World Series. They It costed. Now, ugh, I think. Yeah, don't even. Ugh. I think it. The Dodgers did the same thing with Kershaw in the same World Series where they took him out earlier than he wanted to be, and it worked out for them. So I understand it's high risk, high reward. Yeah, but there's a difference with Kershaw because he was he's, getting, he's one of the, used to getting shelled. Yeah. And, and well, Blake Snell was legitimately dominating the best hitting team in the league. Exactly. 
And it's just, I, I would have liked when it's such a pivotal moment in a pivotal season for the Phillies to hire a guy who has very limited experience in the front office. Yes. He was a former player, but not having that experience and that proven track record of being a guy who has been in the front office of championship teams, that really, really scares me as a Phillies fan. And I'm not a fan of the hire, but I'm more than willing to see what other moves, what moves he makes, what players he brings in, whatever. But I just it's don't just, get the Dombrowski hire. I just don't get it. I, I just don't it doesn't like make it at all. It just doesn't make any sense. I haven't met like, a per, I haven't talked to a Phillies fan yet who said they agree with it. It just doesn't make any sense. And it really terrifies me that they're giving out this money to other relievers. You mentioned the Archie Bradley deal. That's six million. That's like and now we're looking at Alex Colum and apparently Simeon. Both Al- names that I like. Like Alex Colum had like twenty plus saves last year, didn't he? Yeah, it he had some decent numbers, but it concerns me because it's like the Dak Prescott situation in Dallas where they're paying everyone else around him but JT. When JT well, they, day they're in reacting. And- our bullpen was our worst idea. Was our worst was our worst part last year. So they think yes. they fixed the bullpen. And that I yeah. agree. That that worries me. You, you need JT. If you not, cannot then take you JT go, for granted. You better go sign Trevor Ballon. If you're not bringing back JT, you better go sign Trevor Ballon. Or Marcus is Marcus is Marcus uh, Stroman still available? Or is he still under contract? I think he's still under contract with them. Oh, I thought uh, he was a free agent this year. Um, hold on. Where do you think he was a free agent? Spotrack.com. Uh, he's a free agent after this season. That's it. Regardless, yeah. I want Trevor Bauer. Noah Wheeler Bauer in any order? Are you kidding me? And then you can throw Pavetta and whatever other a-holes you want back there. Like, and then, okay, you piece together, like, how you can't say I'm going to spend stupid money and then refuse to spend it because, dude, you're rich because of tobacco. You're always going to be rich. Yeah. I'm sorry, but you're going to be rich for life because of tobacco. No, I don't – the tobacco industry isn't going to all of a sudden die tomorrow. Like, <laughs> it's not going to die. <laughs> it's just – I just – I don't know. So, like, what? So, okay, so we're looking at Noller or Wheeler or Zervin or Dan. If we bring back Romeo him or not, it's Nap as our number one catcher. So then you have Reese – then you have um, Segura at second, or or, or short because I'm assuming they're not resigning DD. So then it's, it's going to be it's, it's going to be I think Segura and uh, Kingery are going to make up that middle infield. That middle infield, which I don't love. I, I wanted Scott to be so much better than he's become he has been, but so then bombs at third. Yeah, left field is. Uh, left field. Jesus Christ, this roster is a fucking mess. It's so shitty. It's so. Uh, I don't know how. I don't know how you can look uh, at I this. Guess, I guess Koch. Koch is left field. Oh. Right? Yeah, they're probably throw. Oh, so left field's gonna be as of right now. I'm looking at ESPN's depth chart. Um, 
the outfield's going to be Hazley, Roman Quinn, and Bryce Harper, and then it looks like McCutcheon's going to be the DH. Wait, is the DH thing still sticking for this year? I don't know if it's still sticking for this year, but as of right now, um, Hazley, another person, another person that's just disappointed. Like it's just like. We when can we get a draft pick that's gonna like like bomb? I'm so excited for bomb, and I'm also oh. like just kind of done with Hoskins, and it's just like Hoskins has know, to man. turn it around this season. There's like, something I, I I I really hope bomb becomes the MVP that we all think he's gonna be. But we thought Hoskins was gonna be that three years ago and or four years ago, and look where we are now. Exactly, and he hasn't been the same guy that took the league by storm, and. I don't – I'm really terrified that Bohm's going to follow that same trajectory of having a fantastic mm-hmm. year and then – But he seems sudden, like a player, though. There's something about Bomb that just like – or Boom really – he just seems like he wants to be a play, like there's something about him. I, I like him. I like him. Like, yeah. And even ad- like Char, even Charlie and Schmidt, like – and obviously it's a difference between like what somebody sees when they see hitting batting practice to what you become. But even both of them were just like – yeah, he's got it. He that that dude's gonna hit, and it's just yeah. like, but then it's just like also like, you know, there's somebody like I'll, I'll never get why he's never gotten another chance. Um, and I talked to you about this is uh, uh, the starting pitcher. Oh my god, um, the kid we got from the Padres for Freddie Galvis. Oh, uh, now that it looks bad that I can't even remember his name, but it's been like – like, I just don't understand. Like, I saw him pitch twice at Lehigh Valley, and he was – it's clearly – it's AAA, I get it. But, like, he just looked in so much command, and then Gabe threw him out there, and in Marlins Man. game, he got hammered. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it's just – it's not worth it anymore. Oh. It's like, dude, you've been throwing Jake Arrieta for how many years now? Like, come on. Um – God damn it! Where it's like, there's it like a, it's like a three. It's a De Los Santos. Any De Los Santos? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, he's got it. He's not a he's not a number one, but he's got the stuff to be a solid two or three, in my opinion. He he just is he's when he's in his zone, he's yeah. cool and calm. And I just think that like Gabe Kapler and Clintac, being the math nerds that they are, were like, ah, oh, well, his ERA in this middle inning like ruined them, like. No, dude. Like you wrote. Yeah, it's it. like the 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 ERA with two runners on, right? O two strikeout. S- it's like stop making everything a stat. Just listen Thank to, you. like, look at the game. Look at the game. Just look at the game. You are down four to two, whatever. Situational to, BS is what I call it. Yeah, situational BS. It is. It is complete horseshit, and it gets to a point where it's like. You have to make desperate moves to win games. Didn't we lose, like, didn't we get swept by the Marlins at one point last season? Probably multiple times, yeah. Probably multiple I mean, times. Like, the, how, the, the playoffs how, the, how the how the How the hell are you trying to sell me on this team as a contender when you're getting swept by the goddamn Marlins? Now, granted, the Marlins with are... A, with a pitcher that was ours that we gave up. Exactly, and I told people that losing Sixto Sanchez will come back to bite us in the fucking ass. And if we don't sign JT... They were talking about him since he was like 19 years old, or like 18 years old, and they were so... They just just were like, here you go. 
Sixto Sanchez was going to be the next great starter in Philly's history. And then so the, how do you not re-sign Romilto then? That's the exactly question. you how have do you to sign Re- Sixto. But no, they want to bring in their own guys. GMs want to bring in their own guys. And it's like, no, you have a qualified group. You have a great group in front of you. Just sign the players that you need to re-sign. And the, the bigger the worry is that Spencer Howard is our next pitching ace, and he's no better than a three. He can't, he can't hit over 95. He has maybe one or two other quality pitches, and that's it. Like So – Unless he goes Ugh. the Arietta way where the cutter becomes his thing, like how yeah. is he anything enviable? You know what I mean? So then after that, who's our next big guy in the minors? They're in double A or single A, right? Uh, our Archimedes Gamboa or whatever the hell his name is. or like It's just like uh, I'll never understand why Dylan Cousins never worked out. I'll never get that. I think that's another, that's another mess up with that regime. I think they yeah. ruined him. How do you go from hitting like 300 two years in a row in the minors to like just nothing? I'm sorry. There's no way that Dylan Cousins shouldn't be working out in some major league system. Wasn't that was that was the Kapler years, right? Yeah. Yeah. Kapler yeah. fucking ruined this organization. He did. It, it, together, their math it was their math stuff. It was it was their statistics based. Oh, we're gonna base it off the fact that uh, and with runners on second in the middle innings with one strike and two outs, they they only hit a they only get a, a positive hit if if, if the the wind's blowing twenty miles per hour in the opposite. Like it's just like, well, you have to put that many qualifiers into it. It's not worth it, dude. It's, it's not. not it's, it's not. Not like, worth it. Everyone just wants to be the next Billy Bean. You're never going to be the next Billy Bean. Sorry, guys. Never going to happen. No, it's not. It's never going to happen. And I hope that baseball gear goes more towards um, goes more towards going for the feel of the game. Go for the feel of the game. Watch it. And just go with your gut call. You don't have to throw in and data, random, like you said, multiple qualifiers and all this shit. It's like if I'm a fan and I'm watching the game and think I can run the organization and the team better, that is a problem. That is a problem. I, I mean, should not. It's, it's not that we think we can run it better. It's more. Well, the, I do at least. I do. Right. It's, but it, because there's a lot of people that will think that. Your brother, by the way. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, not, not thinking that the text. Uh, it's the idea that. There's the idea that you think you can do it, which a lot of fans think they have. And it's the idea of, like, really, now I know I can do it. And right now, a lot of Phillies fans who know anything about, you know, to borrow a phrase from my buddy Bella, dick about shit. Like, that's literally <laughs> his phrase. You don't know, dick about shit. Uh, they don't. This organization doesn't. Middleton doesn't, and, and and so it's 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 we're not the only ones out there thinking we can do this better. We really aren't, and it's and I know like a lot of like why do we spend five years being terrible to just continue to be terrible? You I just don't. Mean? Bryce Harper is a guy. He already deserves to win a championship in the city. Like I already feel bad for the him. The city has fully embraced him. Yeah. Like, and but now I feel like we're gonna he's gonna want to trade if 
they decide, hey, we're not going to bring back Romilto. It's like, how can you – the whole vision of the team was to build around Bryce and Raul Muto as your cornerstones. And Hoskins. Nola and Nola. Hoskins. Don't get me wrong. I still love Nola. I still love Wheeler. But how did the trade rumors come up to say, we're going to get rid of Wheeler now after one year? And it's like, dude, because you because people stopped buying tobacco for a couple months because of COVID. So now all of a sudden you're going to be you're going to be a, a will pond. Get the hell out of here. Then don't then yeah. sell the team. Then sell the team. Just get get back, out. It goes back to my Kroenke argument. If you you don't own sports teams to make money, you own them to invest. You own yeah. them to invest. And if you don't want to invest to win championships, sorry, I should say you own them to invest to win championships. That's just that's my mm. qualify. Okay. Yeah. If you don't want to win championships and you don't want to invest to win championships, then sell. Sports franchises are not profit makers. They are championship makers. And if you own them just to just to walk around like a big dick swinger being like, oh I own three sports franchises, then screw you. I don't want and to And the leagues the league should step in and force a team owner to sell if it's clearly not working. Agreed. James, should have- James Dolan should have been out of New York, out of the Knicks at yeah. least 10 years right. ago. So many of them. James Dolan, you know, like, and Middleton's starting to creep up there. Cronkies, another one. Like, it's like, there's just, uh, there's just so many people. And it's like, and in the EPL, if, there, if you have it, like, so there's Newcastle United, and their owner is basically, he owns like the version of like Dick Sporting Goods over there. Okay. And he is the cheapest fuck in the world. And they've wanted him out for years. And Newcastle is a storied franchise. Like, it'd be, it's really good for EP, the EPL to make them good, to have them be good, okay? Yeah. And they, he was going to sell to some Middle Eastern oil people over the summer. And they basically have gotten on their high horse, these leagues, and basically being like, if you've been a part of, like – um thing if you've taken action or you're you've been a part of a government or a business that is basically contribute to human rights travesties we're not going to let you own teams so at that point basically man use owners should be out psg's owner should be out uh there, there's at least two or three more that i can think of that are like mm, gone yeah. um so now they're trying to stay ahead of it and they're basically like well these guys, we don't trust them because we, we're pretty sure that like they're involved in human trafficking or like sex trades and stuff like that. Two, you know, obviously two and the same. I think they're regardless. Um, but it's like, okay, you want him to sell, but now and I get it. You probably shouldn't sell to him, but they clearly are trying to force his hand because he's such a terrible owner. And I don't get why none of the American sports leagues take that stance. Like, why don't you come out? Like, well, obviously, we figured out Manfred's a terrible commissioner. He's yes. the, the ass of all asses. And he, I never thought you could make Gary Bettman look good. He's made Gary Bettman look good. See, here's the thing with Bettman. I've never, well, at least in my lifetime, I never really had a, or witnessed a moment where I was like, yeah, Bettman's a bad commissioner. I was too young when the lockout happened. So that's probably that's part why of it. That lockout was the biggest. Yeah. Well, you had a second lockout when you were what, like, what was it, 2011? 2012, 2012, 
Yeah, yeah, because that was the year Hawks, the Blackhawks won championship, like their second championship or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, Manfred is a, the biggest stooge because he's making Roger Goodell look good. And I'm like, Goodell has fucked up so many times at the NFL. How can you possibly make him look good? And Manfred needs to go. I don't know. Well, I, I guess I should say I know why, because the owners probably thought they could get so much shit over him and like take advantage of him that it, yeah, it but was, he was the, for all Goodell's fault. He actually hasn't been that terrible of, of a franchise owner. Yeah. Or, he's just, a, a, not sorry. Not franchise owner of a, of a league commissioner. He is great, but it's like Adam silver, like, you know, he's Adam Ad- silver and Adam silver. Like, you know, he's great. Like, Batman's been an ass, but the, the lockout was completely his fault. But it's just like Manfred doesn't even know his sport. And that's why he's like Batman. You realize Batman was an NBA guy before he went to the NHL, right? No, I did not know that. Yeah, he was like he was he was like Stern. He was somebody's assistant commissioner in the NBA. I don't know if it was Stern or the guy before Stern. I forget now. I think it was before I think he it went was there. Stern. Let me check. Keep going, like, but I'll check. Like, rest in peace, and for all the things that Stern was an asshole about, he still did a good job. Like I said, like, not to talk bad on the dead, like, you know, like, that it's unfortunate, but he still did what, everything he needed. He cared about that league making money, right? That's what these yeah. guys don't care about. They don't care. They, they, they don't care about the overall product, Matt, and that's, that's the biggest issue with these guys. Especially with baseball, you have electrifying players like a Trout, and you're already losing fans because people deem it boring. Yeah. And I mean, I think baseball's biggest hindrance right now is 162 games. We got to cut that shit down. Yeah. Like, it's got to, it's definitely got to get cut down. I agree. I get it's, it. It's, I get it. The, the, you want to like keep the records you- and that's, and like the records sort of like don't, the records don't match up because they haven't played in the same conditions. But at like, why do you need we'll, to play a division rival 17 times? There's yeah, no point. There's it, no point whatsoever. You could cut that even with NBA games. I can't catch every single NBA game. I can't catch every Sixers game. But I know if there's one around the corner, okay, I'll keep an eye on it if it's a big matchup. 162 games where you're playing three-game series and just you're in a shitty town or you're playing a bad team that I don't even really want to watch you play. Even if it's like – the um, a fucking Monday night game and it's like Red Sox versus Yankees. They want to sell that, but you can't sell it if they're playing two days later or two nights later mm-hmm. on ESPN. It makes no sense. I think you got if you cut down on the number of games. Well, you know, you probably get like 1,700 Red Sox-Yankees games a season. It's so annoying. It's every other week. It felt like every other week. My dad said last season, he was like, didn't they just play like two nights ago? And I was like, yeah. yeah. And they, they're like, oh, the most storied matchup in baseball. And it's like, yeah, I watched this last weekend too. Like, I don't need to watch it again. Yeah, exactly. Just because so, the venue changed. I don't I don't care too much <laughs> about to watch it. Of course. And not – well, I shouldn't say not, but the lack of marketing. And the lack of marketing compared to the NBA, compared to even at the NFL and the NHL, the lack of marketing of your star players, besides – like Mookie Betts or Mike Trout, there aren't many like world recognized players. Right. Judge is not in that conversation, even though 
he's even though they try to make it seem like he is yeah exactly judge is not in that conversation you don't have Um, a rod you don't have jeter you don't have manny you you don't have those guys anymore and part of that is on the mlb for being really manfred just not utilizing his his best assets and trying to take advantage of the northeast fans who love watching the game who love baseball or even on the West Coast, the kids who can actually go go play outside for a while, even after watching a game, because the games come on earlier. Like, there's such a lack of players that inspire other kids to go play baseball. It just seems like almost every player is, like, dull, boring. And it comes across as Manfred as dull, boring, and not relatable. Right. And as someone who's loved baseball my entire life, it's heartbreaking, and I won't get – to get Manfred the fuck out of here. Just get up. Just there's, get there's nothing out. better than in the middle of July going to a game, even if it's like on a Wednesday night after work, sitting down, grabbing a dog, a hot dog or a sausage or, you know, whatever, grabbing a cold brew and just sitting there with a buddy or two. And for not even just relaxing, watching, watching, watching the Phils score, you know, four to five runs and, and win a game. That Bryce, there's nothing. There's nothing like enjoying the weather. Just just out there, just doing what you're doing. Like there's nothing that beats it, in my opinion. I love there, it. If anyone, if I could sh- like show anyone why I love baseball so much, I would go either directly to like the OA team. Tyrese Maxey and I steal, by the way. <laughs> or, um, I would show that Bryce bomb where the Phillies came back against the Cubs. Oh, it was like, the, 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 the grand slam walk-off. The grand slam walk-off. That is pure joy of baseball in a nutshell. That's Dude, why you. I remember you... being at the bar uh, watching that game. It, we, we had just got, we were like, we went out to eat dinner, the missus and I. And, uh, and just like, like, it's just like, we weren't even like, even in playoff. Like we, I think we were still like, six back for like playoff contention at that point. Yeah. And I'm um, like, he hit that and the bar went, Union Jacks goes crazy, man. Like it just yeah. went like absolutely like ape shit. Like everyone's just going nuts. Like, Oh my God. Like it was, and it's just like, that's like, I missed that from the, the run we had from 07 to, to 11. Like, it's just like, dude, I can remember where I was every day that we clinched the, clinched the division and or like a, a champion or a playoff win or the championship that during those years. Like I, remember. I remember in 07, like just being in my dorm room, that shows you my age and just like going nuts. <laughs> and I remember, I remember in 08, like sitting in my, the, the house I was renting and them turning that double play to win the division. And then uh, it was my 21st birthday when they uh, clinched, the or it was like right after my twenty first birthday when they clinched the um was it oh no 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 they clinched they they clinched the NLDS just like when I was like like just randomly it was like a Sunday I remember against the Brewers and then they clinched the the trip to the World Series on my twenty first birthday I remember going out and being like it was the first time I got to buy alcohol and being like <laughs> oh my god I'm gonna sell like the Phillies it was like the best thing. They had then they won the World Series. The parade was on Halloween. It was awesome. Like it's just like, dude, I can sit there and tell you every single day. And like, I also have just an unusual memory to most people. But it's like those were. It was so fun just to know that for 
five to six months from the spring to the to the fall, we got to like enjoy a good team. We yeah. knew that we were going to win anywhere between ninety to one hundred and five games. I grew and up. And I missed that. I missed that. I grew up watching those those teams thrive. And you were the no hitter, weren't you? I was at Roy Halladay's no hitter. I was at you bastard. I was at Cole Hamels's no hitter in Chicago. Um, but hey, if it makes you feel any better, my parents sent me to bed during the 08 World Series because my dad thought they weren't going to win. So that goes to show you the pessimism. But I remember, I remember when he threw that pitch, being out of house. And like being at my one buddy's house, there was like 10 of us there. And I remember like, just like it happened. And like myself and my, my, uh, my roommate for my, my, my good friend, we call him little Kev because he's like five foot nothing. But also we have another Kev in the group. So that's why. And, uh, he's from Philly himself. And like, we were the true two, we were the two true Phillies fans in that group. Mm-hmm. And that like that we're at the house and I remember both of us just dropping to our knees like Brad legit and like hugging each other and like almost crying like yeah it's just like that's that's the beauty of sports though that that's what they do to you like they like you get so happy you want to cry and I remember the two of us just like hugging each other and not even like just like thinking to like, just like we, in, the, in our heads it's like we finally fucking had it we finally got to watch a fucking championship line. Yep. Like, that's what it was. For my generation, that's what that Phillies championship meant to us. For, like, your brother and all of our friends and every – like, that's what it meant to us. We finally got to see a team from this city win something. And it was glorious. And I just remember walking around Millersville's campus that night and everyone was so happy and ecstatic and high-fiving and just, just, just hugging each other and, like, random strangers, people that – you maybe had one class with like, just like everybody was just so happy. And then everyone took it a little too far. Someone lit a catch on fire in the middle of the, middle of the street. The <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Dude, I remember like, it was all good. We walked down to like, there's so if anyone who's listening goes to Millersville University, they know there's these apartments called Brookwood and they're basically like little like row home townhouses where it's like, they're like, there's like a bunch of sections of them and you know, it's just like a little condominium Yeah. and we knew a bunch of people that lived in there. So a bunch of the rugby players call me off and they're like, yo, I didn't play rugby. And I was friends with them. Yo, come down to like so-and-so's Brookwood apartment, blah, blah, blah. Everyone's partying outside. We get down there and there's like, I go down with my boys. There's a couch literally engulfed in flame, just like this high up <laughs> with people literally dancing around it. Forties. <laughs> Like animals, like and just throwing empty forty bottles into the couch, so like let the fire go more, like and eventually, like we're like, oh my god, what is going on? And I, I like get over to my boys' apartment, like we're just standing there watching it happen. Cops show up. Within five minutes, we all look down and we have red lasers on our chests, and we're like, oh my uh. god! And they're like, get inside now, get inside now. And it was just like we go inside, and it's just like still to this day, it's just like. Yeah, that was fun. That was worth it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, uh, they were at least smart enough to burn the couch in the middle of the street, so it wasn't go. like on a lawn or like it was literally like. And I will to these kids' credits, there was like seven fire extinguishers like in the area. 
Like you could, they all had fire extinguishers in their yeah. houses before they set it on fire. But there was like 90 people outside, like just, just, just all going crazy, dancing around this couch, like taking swigs from like 40. And it's just like, and it's just like, yes, that's stupid, but that's what juvenile kids do. They're, we're dumb. Yeah. We're, we're college kids. But it was more the idea of just like, there's kids there that hate each other that I know were mortal enemies. There's kids there that I know I didn't like because they were hooking up with my ex-girlfriend or vice versa, like, you know, shit like that. And it's just like, for that, for those like two hours after that Brad lived through that strike, it's like, just, you don't care. All your fears, all your worries, all your hatred and everything washes away. And it's just like, Let's be a family for one day. And that's what that, that World Series win gave us. It, gave, it made you feel like a family for not even one day, for literally three days. And maybe that entire week. Because people don't remember this, but or they probably do. That World Series game, remember, got suspended. It started on a Monday, got finished on a Wednesday. Yeah. So that Monday, we were all like, that whole weekend was spent getting obliterated and watching the Phillies win two nail-biter games, right? Well, one nail-biter game, and then Joe Blanton hit the Grand Slam, which was awesome. And we blew them out that Sunday. Yes, I told you, my memory. So that Monday, everyone got together on campus. And it wasn't just there. It was at Penn State. It was at Drexel. It was at Temple. It was any of the colleges that the Philly fans were supporting. You got together, and you basically were throwing parties. And I remember that Monday – just there's a huge my my one friends who never threw parties threw a huge get together because we thought we were all going to celebrate, and then of course the game gets suspended. But I still remember everyone like the whole campus just being partying, and then that Tuesday was like really morbid, and that Wednesday was like, hey, the game's getting played again, party back on, mm. and then it was like day off, and then it was it was Halloween, so like everyone went to the Phillies parade, then came back and got even more messed up. And then that Saturday was our homecoming. So like, it was like, I, I turned 21, watched them win an NLCS, watched them, watch them win a world and watch them win a world series, have homecoming and how a Halloween and world series, a world series parade and a Halloween, like which Halloween in college, as you know, is a big thing. Like, and it was like the greatest, like 15 day stretch put together. Yeah. And it's just like everyone on that campus just forgot. Like if you hated someone, it didn't matter. And it was so much fun. And that's what sports do. That's what people don't get. When you get upset at sports, that's the reason why. Because the outcome can be so joyous. It can be so phenomenal that you could literally sit there and hug your mortal enemy or shake his hand and be like, fuck yeah, man, we won the World Series. This is awesome. Or we won the Super Bowl. We did this and we did that. You know what I mean? Like it can make people just forget about all their worries. And that's what I don't think people who don't, you don't watch sports. I don't think that's, that's, that's what they don't get. And I'll never, that, that 08 World Series one will be embedded in my brain for years to come until I die because, and I'll tell my kid, I'll tell this kid that's coming in May about it. Like, like uh, you know, like it was, dude, I, they, those were some of the best days. And it's just like, that's what it can do. And like, I remember when the Phillies or the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Yep. Just dropping down, like Mary's cousins and I just like jumping on top of the tire. Like we're like 20, you know, 20, 30 year old, like 20, 
five, the 30-year-old men just jumping on top of each other. Yep. Like, wait, five. Like, dude, I cried. I cried yeah. the night we won the Super Bowl. I never thought I would see it. I legit cried the night we won the Super Bowl. Now, there were some other circumstances leading up to that and the why. Like, I was finally letting the emotions out. But it's just like, the, like it's just like that's what sports does. And it's I remember, so wonderful. I remember my dad being sitting on the couch of the Super Bowl completely just jaw dropped and just shocked meanwhile me and a bunch of his relatives are just like jumping up and down like you said like we didn't give a shit about anything else and like we were actually like crying just tears of joy as they his relatives are not the most optimistic like most oh, Philly I know, fans I know. <laughs> because because they've been through so much and i completely understand we that all have. we all have in this city yeah well for me i grew up pretty spoiled because i've seen the phillies win like four pennants. I've seen them win a world series. I've seen two no hitters. I've seen the flyers make a Stanley cup final. I've seen the Eagles make multiple playoff appearances and win a super bowl, make the NFC divisional, the NFC championship, a drop away from making the NFC championship again, again, at least three NFC championships in your lifetime. Yeah. The, even going back to the McNabb days. So I was, even then I was still extremely happy because, you know, like you said, it's the beauty of sports is that you can just forget every, all the fucking bullshit that's going on in your life. And you can just enjoy the championship because the championship is for the, like, it's for the players. They do, they win and they get a ring or whatever, but those memories are for the fans. It's for the fans as well. Like, dude, it's just like, until I'm here. God willing, God willing, until I'm 75, bringing my grandkids to Lincoln Financial Field, I can point to that championship banner and say I can remember as a teenager watching Nick Foles just absolutely go out and outduel Tom Brady. Balls out, go and balls go, out and just win it. And complete one of the most magical championship runs the NFL has ever seen. So, crazy. with that being said, that wraps up another episode of the Black and Blue Pod. Hopefully you guys kept track of what we were saying and hopefully you guys all can enjoy sports and love it as much as we do. Hopefully the Phillies can get their shit together. Hopefully the Flyers and the Sixers keep on rolling. Hope you all stay safe. Enjoy a great weekend and we will catch you on the next episode. Thank you very much. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed the episode. Make sure you're following us on all of our social media platforms as well as podcast services like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all that good stuff. Uh, Your subscription and follows mean just as much as you actually playing the episode. Uh, Thanks again for listening um, and I hope that you guys have a great rest of your day and hopefully you enjoyed this one. So...